They're going to be a power formation. Green under center. They're in an eye. It's the Clydesdale formation. And it's going to be Halani into the end zone for the score. George Halani with his fourth touchdown of the season. And oh boy, is it great to see George back in the Bronco lineup. Drive number two goes 51 yards, and the Broncos have a 6-0 lead. In their biggest blowout victory of the season so far, Boise State running back George Halani visited the end zone not once, not twice, but three times against Colorado State last weekend. And believe it or not, he wasn't even the offensive Mountain West player of the week. That honor went to his quarterback, Taylor Green, who threw for over 300 yards and totaled up three touchdowns. Green on a quick count. Big rush comes, Green gets the pass away, throws it to Riley Smith, did he catch it? He did, toe in in the back of the end zone. Touchdown pass, Taylor Green, Riley Smith, his first touchdown catch of the season. On defense, the Broncos were elite once again, limiting the Rams to a season low, 170 yards of total offense. Millen awaits the snap, gets it. Boise State rushes five. Pretty good protection. Now it breaks down, and it's going to be Obacheri in there for the sack with help from Hassanin, and Boise State has its first sack of the day. Welcome once again into Jay Sports Bar. Jay Tuss alongside Shane Williams-Rhodes. Shane, you were part of a number of these uh, during your time at Boise State. Anything better than getting into the middle of the season and rolling off four or five wins in a row? That's the time. We always talk about peaking at the right time, and I think that's what this team is doing. We've seen it. History shows that, you know, we tend to have some mishaps in the beginning of our years. And then, you know, we starting to get on these rolls and then things start changing. Other teams start going down in other conferences. And there you go. Then you have some automatic bids starting to come. Yeah. Back. Boise State's certainly on a roll right now. They're winners of four straight overall. They're 5-0 and in Mountain West Conference play. At one point in time, we thought any significant bowl game was unthinkable. But now, all of a sudden, the picture is starting to become a little more clear. There is potentially a path where Boise State could work, work their way into something special. We'll get to that week, you know, later on in the weeks to come here on Jay Sports Bar. Coming up today, um, we're going to talk about Dirk Cutter and the Boise State offense. They were so much more efficient in the red zone. Why? Uh, also, Divine Obasheri as well as uh, Cortez Hogan step up in the, when, with uh, two big absences on defense. No Scott Matlock, George Tarlis out for the season, and a couple of unsung heroes uh, try to become household names for at least a week. Also, we will preview the big BYU game coming up, the final time that Boise State and BYU will meet in this rivalry for at least the foreseeable future. We start out, though, by talking about the, the guy that, uh, well, you been campaigning for for a long long time now Taylor Green with his best game as a passer as a member of the Boise State football team he goes 24 of 30 for 305 yards he throws two touchdowns has another rushing touchdown what a special talent yeah and if you take out some of those drops I think uh, we have a more efficient day Ooh, a former receiver calling out the current <laughs> receivers there were a couple of them they there, came back there, and made plays later there are a few rough ones mm -hmm. but this is exactly what I've been saying since last year in October 2nd when I made that tweet. We have a guy who can do a lot of things, and, you know, he might not be great at throwing the ball. He might not be great at doing this and doing that, but he gives us more options. Mm -hmm. And him having his athletic ability and giving us more options allows some of those tough, some of those things that used to be really tough for us to do, really easy. Yeah. You know, we really struggled to throw the ball in the first four games. Well, this game, we did, he did, they did exactly what we've been saying on this show for eight weeks. Mm -hmm. Bootleg and quick game. Yeah. That's, that's the strength. That was the thing about 
that, that, that stood out to me above anything else, even more so than the impressive completion percentage, the yards total, um, the fact that we just watched an offense operate in rhythm for the most part, and, and if something got out of rhythm, he was able to you know, use his athleticism to correct it. But focusing on the in-rhythm part, the ball was out on time. He was making his reads through the receivers. We were talking with Dirk Cutter about it this week, and, you know, he said that he'd, look, he'd get to one, see it wasn't there, he'd get to two, see it wasn't there. And there were a few occasions where he would even get to that third receiver and, and be able to still hang in there long enough to complete a pass. Like, yep. his development and growth is, it, it is not just something that um, – you know, is cliche. It's it's actually happening mm -hmm. before our very eyes. Yeah, you saw it many times. Uh, I want to say Billy Bowens was the guy uh, that he's on that play where you saw him maybe catch the ball three times, uh, and then he had the one drop that he had was on that same play. He is literally the number three option. You know, you mm. have your guy on the play side on the right. He's running typically a go route, a comeback, something over there just to kind of clear that side of the field mm -hmm. so they can bootleg that way. Your number two guy is typically going to run a 10-yard out. So that's, if that's there, Taylor can get it out fast. And then you got your drag coming all the way from across the field. And a lot of times we saw Taylor go through his progression. All right, the number one wasn't there. All right, now we're bootlegging. We get number two. It, it might have been there, but he didn't feel comfortable enough to throw the ball. So now this is where him being able to do multiple things for us helps because now I can extend the play and run towards sideline and not worry about getting caught. Yeah. That's never a problem with that with that guy. So now I can get to my third option, who's wide open every time they ran the play because everyone's flowing this way. You know, you got two guys. I want to say most time it wasn't just one guy running that table. He had two guys like right on his heels mm -hmm. all the time, and he's able to deliver it. And then now you got your receivers running up the sideline. Well, I, I know, here's the deal. Like I, I think the cool thing about this now too is like in the past or like we we have seen. Um, you know, San Diego State didn't know what to do against Talon. Uh, Fresno State didn't want Talon to get outside and hurt him, you know, um, outside of the pocket. And so now we're seeing all these teams try. We saw Air Force blitz the crap out of him. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing all these things being thrown at Talon, and he's learning how to beat them. And Colorado State wanted a, you know, him to make them beat him as a passer, and he absolutely did that. And you look at that efficiency. I went back and looked this up, Shane, and since the year 2000, Boise State quarterbacks that have completed at least 80% of their passes in a game where they attempted at least 30 throws and threw for over 300 yards, that's an exclusive group that belongs to Kellen Moore and George, uh, excuse me, Grant Hedrick. Uh, Kellen did it three times, Grant Hedrick did it once, and now you have uh, Taylor Green moving into that group. And, um, oh, by the way, the funny thing about that, too, is that the two other guys on that list, yeah, yeah they have Fiesta Bowl rings. Yes, they do. I mean, so that's, that's awesome company that you want to be in. For sure. And I've been saying it. This is just the ground level. I mean, what are we, four or five games maybe? He has started true, like, full games. Yeah, he, is he's, it four? It's tr four true starts. He played a lot of the Oregon State game, obviously, but four true starts where Boise State is 4-0 in those games. And we've seen different game plans for the most part each game because teams are going to try to take certain things away. Mm -hmm. I think what Colorado State tried to do – hurt them more than it helped them because of not bringing that pressure like Air Force did. Mm -hmm. It allowed George Helani to kind of just oh. go all game. Yeah. I mean, the, he was knocking on 100 yards almost in the first half. He was. So, because you aren't bringing that pressure and you're saying, I'm going to just drop back and we're going to allow this young quarterback to make the throws. Well, you're also saying, I'm going to allow this run game that's already really good to just kind of ground and pound. And mm -hmm. they did that. And 
when they finally did get them to second and third and longs and second down, third down, when they did decide to bring that pressure, now the pass game's open and we're throwing it and they were in rhythm. It, it was great to see. I want to bring up George here in just a second, especially his effectiveness, effectiveness down inside the red zone. But um, getting back to this offense as a whole and how Talon has really kind of changed it, we mentioned teams throwing different game plans at Boise State. Like, I didn't feel like that ever had to really be the, the, the case over the last year and a half. Like, mm-hmm. Boise State kind of who were, you know, they, they, who were they? They, they are who they were on offense. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But and, and everybody's kind of, I don't know, they, they, they didn't have like this threat where they constantly put opposing defenses on their heels. And so now if you're an opposing defense, you're like, okay, we're going to try this. What happens when it doesn't work, though? Like that's got, you're scrambling on the sidelines. You're trying to find answers. That's the point of being an effective offense that can beat you in a number of ways. And that is finally what Boise State has morphed back into. I think that just comes down to the identity. We can honestly say that this team hasn't had a true identity that they can rely on since George Halani was a freshman. Yeah. Because after freshman year, he got banged up. Now we're running, doing running back by committee. You know, obviously the backs that were behind him before were, were not as good as the ones we have now that are behind him. So it was, it was tough. And so now that you have something that you can go out no matter what, they can bring whoever they want to bring. And we can still say we're going to go out and run that ball. And in Air Force, we did it the whole first half with one back. And then when that back got hurt, you know, we were in some trouble. We are in back number three and back number four. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if we have our guys in, we can do what we want to do, what we are comfortable doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's awesome to see this happen once again. It, it, it almost felt like it couldn't happen. Like, it, this feel, it is, now seeing it almost feels like foreign because it had been so long, but now we're back to seeing Boise State control tempo, control um, what's going on for the opposing defense because they've just been, they've been so darn good for that matter. Uh, talking about George Halani, 21 carries, 108 yards, three rushing touchdowns. By the way, those three rushing touchdowns, all of the one-yard variety. And normally I'd be like, okay, well, that's not impressive. But for George, it is because there was such a long time here where whenever they got down inside the red zone, and especially like inside the 10 and 5, it seemed like they took him out. And now they're leaving him in, and the guy is just absolutely eating. He's got a couple of uh, touchdown passes going out in the flat Mm -hmm. um, inside the 5 this year. We saw three rushing touchdowns against Colorado State. Why is he so gosh darn good and effective inside the red zone? It's just being in the in the past. I think the best uh, analogy for football people out there is the Reggie Bush Lindell White theory. You know, okay. Lindell White was the short yardage back, and everyone knew he was getting the ball mm-hmm. inside the five. We had Andrew Van Breer, and it that was his role on the team. So when they got inside the five, they're just gonna ground and pound it with him. You know, obviously if he gets into some sticky situations, he can't outrun you to the edge, but his job is just to go in and go straight. So now having two similar, more similar backs now, you don't necessarily have to take your back out because the guys you have are every down backs, you know, with either way you cut it. So right. It doesn't matter who's in, so I think you're getting a lot more of him. But I think it might also be that Genty was coming off of uh, injuries, so that could also have played could, a role. That could be a good – that's a good point, too. Um, I just think that it's, it's awesome to see George uh, – be productive in a variety of ways. And, you know, he, he is just, he's now has six straight 100-yard games at home. When Boise State – or, excuse me, when he rushes for 100 or more yards, Boise State is 11-0 all time. Uh, it was a few weeks ago that Dirk Cutter uh, compared Ashton Genty to Maurice Jones-Drew. 
Knowing Dirk's extensive ba NFL background earlier this week, I asked him about a comparison for George Halani, and it was a little more difficult than I thought. Man, George played a really good game, 108 or whatever he had. When you look at the all 22, those plays weren't all blocked perfectly. George was making guys miss left and right. Our offense is going to be way better when George is in there, and George is a good mix because uh, – you know, when I first started hanging around here, I thought George was going to be a good third down back in the NFL because he can block. He's good in the pass game. He's good in the screen game. That was a really nice uh, swing screen that he that he split to start that two-minute drive. But George is a good runner. George runs with more power than I than I first thought. I mean, he, he has some good power runs, can definitely make guys miss. So I'm, I'm not sure who uh, – he reminds me of a good George Halani. So Dirk Cutter, I mean, he has seen a lot of football, both at the NFL and collegiate levels. And uh, George is such a unique talent that even he kind of has a difficult time pegging his comparison. I spoke with George Halani uh, this week, and I said, who do you consider yourself a comparison to? And he said, in all honesty, I don't really know. He then brought up this, which I thought was pretty cool. George has a, has a big-time rugby background. And he says that that's kind of like he tries to mimic the style of rugby players and that's just, that's just kind of what he applies to the football field. And um, I have never heard an answer like that before out of a guy. But I guess it kind of shows you why George is, is unique and special. He's not the biggest, although he's very strong. Mm -hmm. um, he's elusive. He can make guys miss. He, he reminds me of you in the sense that he doesn't take a lot of big hits. Mm -hmm. Like very seldom do you see George have pain inflicted on him by another defender. It's usually him dishing out the punishment at the goal line. Yeah. And as a running back that's going to get 20, 25 touches in a game, I have to imagine that's pretty valuable in saving the wear and tear on your body like that. I think after sitting here and thinking about this. Okay, what do we got? My NFL comparison, the closest one I think I could get would be Austin Eckler. That's a pretty good one. That's actually probably a pretty good one. A great pass catcher. Mm -hmm. um, a goal line monster, like, because he can catch the yep. ball, he can run the ball. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's a pretty good comparison. Uh, Austin Eckler might not be a household name to a lot of people in the NFL, but he, he is that, like, new age running back that, uh, I mean, if you, Justin Herbert relies on him as much as he relies on anybody in that if offense. If you play fantasy football, you, you know, you, you, yeah, you know Austin Eckler. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I brought up the red zone, and this is an area that, you know, Boise State really struggled in when it came to scoring touchdowns. They were kicking way too many field goals. And so that's also a topic that I wanted to ask Dirk Cutter about this week. Take a listen. It's always execution, all right? Uh, I, I mean, one of our goals, I told you, we had to do better in the red zone, and I had to be a more aggressive play caller in the red zone, but it still always comes down to execution, and the guys did an awesome job. So a week after going down to Air Force and only scoring one touchdown and kicking four field goals either in or near the red zone, Boise State goes seven for seven against Colorado State inside the 20 with seven touchdowns. It, it literally does not get better than that. Like, there's no coach speak like, ah, oh, we could have been better. You couldn't have. Yeah, I think the opponent <laughs> plays a huge role in Probably. this. Probably. Obviously, that Air Force defense, which historically is just always good, they, they gave us some fits. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the injury, the injury bug we had last week was a little tough on us. But, yeah, I think they came out and they answered the challenge for sure. Dirk talked about being too conservative in the red zone a week ago mm -hmm. and trying to open up that playbook just a little bit. And when you go back and you look at Taylor Green's red zone numbers on the season, right? Going into that game, uh, he didn't put the ball in the air a lot, but in the first three games, well, I guess he could rope in the Colorado State or the uh, Oregon State game too.
But going into last Saturday, he was 10 of 16 for 52 yards and, and two touchdowns inside the red zone. Like, since you're inside the 20, you're not going to hit a bunch of shot plays. Yeah. So the, the yards are going to be – the total yards are going to be a conservative amount. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to focus on quarterback efficiency rating because I do think that that um, conveys – well, efficiency for that matter. So going into last week's game inside the red zone, 131.1. I mean, that's, that's okay. Yep. You know, it's all right. <laughs> last Saturday – Five of seven, 37 yards, two touchdowns, a quarterback efficiency rating of, of 254.1. And um, on top of that, like, he delivered a couple of third-down throws in there. Uh, the one to Riley Smith at the back of the end zone was an amazing toe-tap catch by him. He also had the one to Steph Cobbs, which was almost a great, great grab on Steph's part. It ends up being ruled an incompletion because the back of his helmet touched, you know, touched out of bounds. But... Man, what Talon did down there. Oh, and then, by the way, I forgot about this, that 10-yard touchdown run that should have been on every yeah. Sports Center highlight reel there is. I mean, this guy was dynamic in the red zone, and he shows it. Oh, you pair him with George Helani in the future inside the 20, and, like, if I'm an mm -hmm. opposing defense, look the hell out. Yeah, I think, and on top of that, I, I think I had two that stood out to me that weren't even on that list. I think the ball on the left, on the left side of the field, you know, it was a back shoulder ball. It gave the receiver a chance to adjust away from the DB. Mm -hmm. Great ball. And then he had one to Billy Bowens across the middle where he threw it over the linebacker and under the safety as the receiver cut behind the linebacker. So I thought that was, that was, a, that was one of the better balls I've seen. And the way it worked out is when Billy got his eyes around, he caught the ball and he never broke stride. He just took off down the sideline. It kind of reminded me a lot of the balls that Grant used to throw. Mm. For sure. Um, again, that's, that's somebody that you want to be compared to. So, for the third straight home game, Boise State sets a new season high in po point total. They scored 35 against San Diego State, ran up 40 against Fresno State, and then they, they, uh, they almost hit half 149 points um, against Colorado State, and they did so on, like, 12 possessions. I mean, their, their efficiency numbers when it comes to scoring right now is, is off the charts, and if you go back, I don't know, five or six of these, these shows ago, mm -hmm. we kind of broke that down and how, you know, they, they were just, they were so far off of those, those efficiency numbers, and that was a huge reason why they were struggling. Let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball now. Boise State loses George Tarlis early in the week last week. He, su he suffered an injury against Air Force. Uh, apparently there was some adrenaline and everything going on. Didn't realize the severity of it. He goes and he gets it figured out on Monday, and they learn that they lose him for the season. Devastating news for this Boise State defense because George has been so good, so solid. Um, and then, you know, come kickoff, you know, we reported on the Bronco Roundup game day show that they'd be without Scott Matlock. So now you mm -hmm. have two of arguably your best, not even arguably, two of your best defensive players, yep. uh, two, your, your two best defensive linemen mm -hmm. out for a conference game. And the storyline is actually how good the defensive line played. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. yeah, we saw some true depth this week. Yeah. I know a lot of fans probably are at home trying to understand why some of these guys have not been playing. Please but tell us. But then you us. have to realize <laughs> the guys that play in front of them are really good. Yeah. They're, like they're you just said, really they were good. better, the best guys on our defense. Yeah. And, and I, I got to say, Colorado State has struggled mm -hmm. in, a, in, number, in a number of areas. But I don't want that to take away from the fact that Divine Obasheri had seven tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, which went back and looked this up. That's the most by a Bronco in a single game since at least 2005. And in the FBS era, he's one of three guys 
with with more than four and, or with four and a half or more tackle uh, tackles for loss in a game. So like that stat line he put together mm-hmm. was as unique as any we've seen. And he's a guy that has patiently waited for his playing time, mm-hmm. and then just went out there and was a playmaker. I did not Shane straight up dude. After the game, Divine's like, yeah, we practice, we expect that. Uh, <laughs> You might have. <laughs> Divine, I respect you, dude, but I did not think you were going to get four and a half tackles for loss in that game. You love to see things like this because now going forward, you're going to see a lot more rotation. So yeah. now you have a little bit more trust in your second group. Mm-hmm. So now you're like, okay, if I want to keep these guys fresh, I can. You know, I don't have to worry about is my starter at 75 80% as good as my backup. Now I know those guys can go to. They've been thrown in the fire, and they, they stepped up to the challenge. Yeah, so. and it, I think that this, this affects, the, like, your depth, too, in the sense that, like, um, Ahmed Hassanin, you know, he was a guy that started on the inside, and when they lost George, they moved him to the outside. Mm-hmm. But after they lost Scott, they bumped him back more snaps on the inside. And now, like, maybe you're like, no, we're confident once we get yeah. Scott back, we can kind of leave him out there at that, mm-hmm. at that defensive end position, yeah. really work with Cortez Hogans, who you're probably saying, who is that right now? He's a transfer that came in here, didn't play for the Boise State uh, football team until just this last week because he was injured. He suited up at Air Force, couldn't quite make it back in time for that game uh, health-wise, but he did get to contribute in a, in a massive way. Six tackles, two tackles for loss against Colorado State. So it's, it shows me, Shane, that this isn't a team – that Andy Avalos is building, it is a program. Mm-hmm. Because when all of a sudden now your, your top dogs go out and you need somebody to step up, mm-hmm. um, not, they're, they're not just a presence on the field, right? They're not just participating, right? Yeah. They're there and they're making plays and they're helping the football team go out and win a game. For sure. And I think it's going to get even scarier when you start to see more of Avalos's recruits come through the program. I mean, well, we're, we're on year two. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the kids that he's recruited and brought in uh, you know, I guess it's kind of a slippery slope because he was hired before signing day, so you have those to kind of decipher on if that was his recruit, if that was a guy that was already coming before. But he has one true class that he recruited all the way through. Well, let's wait till we get to three and four, and his guys that he brought in are juniors and seniors, and it's going to be real fun to watch. And I think he's on the right track for sure. And this is one thing about having a defensive coach is you typically can always depend on your defense to keep you in games. And so if the offense just can establish a run, then it's just old school football. There are some more well-known names on this defense that I don't feel like they're getting a lot of attention right now because they're not stuffing the stat sheet like maybe they have in the past. Mm-hmm. What J.L. Skinner did last year as, at, from his safety position was, was unreal. Over 90 tackles. He had a couple of picks, three forced fumbles, uh, a number of tackles for loss. And you kind of like compare those numbers to his numbers this year. And you're like 44 tackles, still on pace for over 80 for the year, but not anywhere near like the 90 plus he had last year. And uh, tackles for loss, he only has 0.5 this year. He had the pick uh, on an unbelievable play at Oregon State. But believe it or not, he's at, he is a better football player this year than he was last year, without a doubt. For sure. I think the experience for him, I think they have him doing a bit more than what he did last year. Mm -hmm. I know last year they had him heavily involved in the run game. I feel like you've seen that shift go over to Tyree Jones. They have him heavily involved in the run game. And so for a long-term thinking and so what's best for him, I think for JL, now he has on tape, I can come up and make plays in the run game for a whole year. 
or if you want me to be back in coverage and you know not allowing guys to catch balls on me, I can also cover too. Yep. So thinking that way, you're putting more on tape. Yeah. showing his, the versatility. He has this very impressive selfless approach, too. He's like, no, if my numbers are down, it, this means we're playing better as a defense, right? Mm -hmm. And he truly believes it. Like, he is so just – he is so hell-bent on just on, on that. Like, it's not about me. It's about winning games. And for a guy that clearly is going to move on and have a really successful career at the NFL level, I just think it's an impressive mindset that he continues to, to display uh, throughout each and every single interview session. There's another guy on the team that is greatly impacting this defense who we barely ever talk about. Um, and this week I wanted to talk about him. So I asked about uh, – I asked Andy Avalos about – Caleb Biggers' um, contributions to this defense, and this is what he had to say. You know, if you just look at the traditional stats, whether you're looking at – the funniest thing is whether you're looking at the nose guard position or you're looking at the corner position, they can be misleading, you know, and there's two totally different positions, but two, two positions that are very critical to the success of a defense. And the way Caleb has played, you know, again, this is, it's, it's awesome to see a guy with the humility – Okay, and that has the same approach, who is very mature and handles himself in a very professional way each and every day and is so consistent. The guys that are consistent play consistent, you know, and he doesn't deviate. He doesn't. And obviously when you're playing out there on the outside, you've, you've got to have that next play mentality. And it's just been fun to see him and what he's done and obviously what, uh, you know, we'll need him to continue to do one week at a time here. So Caleb Biggers has 19 tackles on the season. He, too, had a pick um, in that Oregon State game. When you look at that, you're not going to be like, yeah, I wanna, I'm going to vote for this guy all conference based off his numbers. But mm -hmm. I think that if every coach in the league sat down and they watched every single game, yep. they, would, they would point at Caleb Biggers and be like, man, show me another cornerback that's playing more, consistent, more consistently than this guy right now. It's like Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints. He's going to always lock down your number one receiver. He's probably not going to get interceptions. He never has a ton of interceptions. I don't think he's ever even had a season with more than four. But we know that he is not going to get the ball thrown on him. Right. And that's just his job. And so, so as a defense, Shane, JL was telling me this this week. He's like, man, we're, Caleb's playing so well right now, we're just letting him do his thing. Mm -hmm. And he said, but he's taking out like half of a football field. Yep. So if you're a defense and you know that you really have to focus on just covering one half of a football field, mm -hmm. Like, how, how debilitating is that for an opposing offense? Having a lockdown corner is like a, for a defense, it's like an offense having a run game. Mm -hmm. If I know that their best receiver is non-existent, and now I can roll my safety to the other side of the field, and I can let my other safety go help in the run game, everything's covered. Yep. There's nothing open. You know, I have a safety deep, I have a safety roll down to help in the run game, and I have a lockdown corner taking away your best player on your team. Mm -hmm. So where do you turn to now? It's, 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 a, it's something that you don't always have, I'll tell you that. It's, and it's tough to have that in college football. Yeah. You don't get a lot of those kind of You guys. just want to talk, a to talk about why Boise State has been so good at limiting explosive plays. This was probably the third week in a row I've mentioned this. Nobody in the country has allowed fewer plays of 10 or more yards in this Boise State defense. Caleb Biggers is shutting down his side of the field. And, he, and, and Ka'anoe Kanihu, who, again, we haven't talked about a lot lately, is really coming on as a sophomore. But you can also roll help his way at times. And I just I, I think that those guys – not a lot of people are talking about them, and they definitely deserve some credit for the success of this defense and what's going on. 
That being said, this might be their most difficult challenge of the week. It is BYU week. Boise State welcoming the Cougars from Provo into the city of trees to play on the blue for one final time as we know it. BYU is heading into the Big 12 Conference. They utilized something in their contract that said, hey, we can get out of this, this series um, scot-free, basically, if we move leagues. And that's exactly what they're doing. But the intensity of this game will be sorely missed in my eyes because this game, without a doubt, is, is the fiercest rivalry that Boise State has been playing over the last decade or so. I don't like this week because historically looking at this rivalry, every time a team is heavily favored to win the game, mm -hmm. they typically lose <laughs> in this rivalry. Which that almost justifies the fact that this is absolutely a rivalry. I mean, that's, that's what happens in rivalry games. It's exactly why I'm not comfortable at all this week. I don't feel good. You can tell me <laughs> BYU lost to Liberty, East Carolina. They could have lost to an FCS school. But it all changes this week because you'll get Hail Mary scored for touchdowns to win the game. You'll get 2015. All, you'll get <laughs> six sevens, no offensive touchdown scored by Boise 2012. State. 2012. You went off of a, a D lineman pick sixing, a yeah. D tackled pick sixing. A, you never know what's going to happen right. in these games. There is, it's just never a time to relax when it comes to these guys. Uh, I know that in the history of watching them, they always have an incredible front seven. Mm-hmm. And it always makes it easier for their for the for the back four. But this year it's a little different. And so it's kind of weird to see all these points get put up on these guys. And they just look like a totally different team than that you saw play against Baylor this year. Well, I, I mentioned that, you know, George Jelani has rushed for over 100 yards in six straight home games. Well, the 118th ranked rush defense is, is traveling up to Boise this week. BYU has had a really difficult time stopping the ball. Over 200 yards per game that they're allowing on the ground. With Dirk Cutter, Boise State has rushed for 316, 316, 115 at Air Force, again, with mostly their third, fourth, and fifth running backs. Mm -hmm. And then, by the way, they come back home last week. They throw for 300 and complement that with 209 yards rushing as a team. So this will be a massive challenge for the Boise State um, excuse me, for the BYU defense, trying to slow down this Boise State offense. Focusing on the, the Boise State defense, though, because they have been so good. I don't know if they – they haven't. I mean, they haven't faced yeah. a quarterback as good as Jaron Hall. This, this guy, he is a dual threat mm -hmm. that if you run into him on the wrong day, he, he will hurt you. For sure. This is going to be a challenge for our defense because I don't know if we faced a dual threat quarterback like this yet. Not like him. And so it's going to be a challenge. This guy's been rolling all year. He has not played bad all year. Mm -hmm. His stats look great. Yeah. Now, the problem is they just can't stop anyone. Yeah. So going into this, I like the fact that we are going to be able to lean on a run game because they can't defend the run. Mm -hmm. But I, it's going to be real interesting to see how we play against this team. You know, I want to know who's all going to be back for sure because it's going to be a challenge. Defending as we can see, because now we have one, mm -hmm. it's hard to defend a quarterback that can do a lot of things for you. There was some video out there that showed Scott Matlock at practice. Okay. So I'll just I'll leave that at that. That was it's very it's visual. I'm not giving away anything. You can see it as clear as day. There was 99 running around at practice. Like and again, like I said with George Helani last week, uh, sometimes when they have yellow jerseys on, we're not allowed to mm -hmm. to record those participants at practice. Well. 
we were allowed to record that participant <laughs> in practice. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm explaining it very casually there. Um, I, I will say, like, I, I see the over-under on this game at 55 and a half. And I look at the success of the Boise State offense, I'm like, man, I want to take the over on that. But with BYU's inability to stop the run, I think Boise State leans on the ground game. Mm -hmm. That means the clock's going to move quite a bit. And so, like, maybe we do see, like, a little bit, not a low-scoring game, but maybe we see something like 27-17 or something like that. Wow. I don't know how we do this every week. We, um, we almost pick the exact same scores <laughs> every week. I think last, last week, week we both got it right with 10 points. 10 po yeah, I said 33, though. So, Boise State blew yeah. that out I of the water. I said 30, I think. But yeah. we both said 10. Yeah. We said they'll get down, they'll get a field goal, they'll get a touchdown. Yeah. And yeah, we were spot on. But we didn't expect Boise State just to run it up the way they did, Man. which they've been doing it. I don't know why. So yeah. what I'm seeing is 17 to 34. Ooh, okay. So you said 17, 27. So that, that'd like be that. the over. The over under on this game is about 55. The, the point spread is Boise State by seven and a half, which, man, if you go back, Shane, go back a month ago. If you go back a month ago, the perception of this game is completely different. Mm -hmm. It has done a complete 180 in the sense that Boise State was 2-2. Two and two. They're coming off a loss against UTEP. Um, they had to fire their offensive coordinator. Their quarterback left. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, BYU's 4-1 and one and ranked 19th in the country. I mean, if you go back a month ago mm -hmm. and you pull the Boise State fan base, they'll probably have their, their heads in their hands being like, oh, God, I don't want to watch this. And they knocked off a top-10 opponent, that, I think, right. those weeks. So. Now, all of a sudden, yeah. it's the exact opposite, man. Like, it's yeah. BYU that's like, I don't want to watch this game. Boise State's now a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how, how long the college football season is, how much can change, and in all honesty, Shane, what good coaching can do. It's a marathon. You never want to peak too soon. If you're playing your best football in the first five weeks of the season, it never pans out. The Patriots have shown us that. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals have shown us that. We've seen it. We see it every year. Teams that peak so well at the beginning of the season. The seasons are too long. Uh, coaches are going to make adjustments, and you have to be able to. You have to be able to change. Well, we'll wrap this up. I know that you kind of gave us your, gave us your score, but I want, I want to lock it in and make it official. This game between Boise State and BYU, yeah. it is an awesome rivalry. For the, over the last decade, these two teams have absolutely slugged it out. And given the fact that this is the final time that we know they'll play each other, mm -hmm. I don't want to hear any coach speak about this is just another game. This, these are the specific, this specific year, these bragging rights could last for a while. That being said, what do you got this Saturday? 17, 41, I push you at 58. We'll take the over Boise State cover. Boise State blowout victory. Going back to Shane Williams Rhodes days when uh, Boise State put up 55, oh, won yeah. 55 to 30 over BYU back on the blue. Mm -hmm. We'll see if the Broncos can get it rolling again. Bronco round of game day show live on the blue from uh, 4 to 5 o'clock, taking you right up to kickoff. Should be an awesome game. Can't wait to uh, can't wait to cover this thing for what we know will be the final time for the foreseeable future. Shane, we appreciate you, my man. No problem. All right, for Shane Williams-Rhodes, I'm Jay Tust. We'll see you next week, same time, same place, on Jay Sports Bar, serving the auto sports community. You know, it's awesome to see a guy like him be able to step up and do those things when, you know, some of the starters were out because of injury. I'm excited for him and where we grow from here. Millen awaits 
snap. Boise State rushes five. Pretty good protection. Now it breaks down, and it's going to be Obacheri in there for the sack with help from Hassanin, and Boise State has its first sack of the day. Both Noah and Schramm in the box. We'll see if they blitz from the linebacker spots. Millen, he's going to be sacked for the third one, and Obacheri is there. Fourth down and less than a yard. Handoff Hollis. He's not going to get it. Obacheri, Hogan's, and Schramm are all there. The entire defensive front basically having a party in the Colorado State backfield.